Good evening. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest, thank you for being with us tonight. It really does encourage us that you're here. If you would be opening your Bibles to 1 Peter, the fifth chapter, we'll continue our study on being humble. And look, uh, at least this lesson outside of the book of Philippians that we're covering a lot on Sunday morning, and we'll look at, at Peter's teaching on this particular topic in 1 Peter, the fifth chapter, in just a few minutes. We have a lot of guests here at each service, but I want to recognize this third pew right here. Uh, some of you over here, you're going you're to have a hard time imagining this, but uh, back when these people were your age, uh, back in the 20s, when they were in their, back in the 1920s, no, back in the 60s really, but uh, they were in their 20s, most of them, and they worshiped together uh, in, in uh, way outside the Bible Belt in Long Island, New York, Riverhead, New York. And that was a big part of the core when they were in their 20s. That was a big part of the core of that congregation uh, in Riverhead. And so they try to get together once a year now for a Riverhead reunion. And we're glad that, that their Riverhead reunion passed through Mount Juliet tonight. And uh, they're on their way uh, to East Tennessee in the morning. Uh, but it is good to see how God works in lives over lifetimes and to see how Christians can stay close and then to think about what we have in store for us even for eternity of close uh, in the presence of God. We are thankful that We Are the Sermon Day just continues to do good. Uh, the SALT class went out to uh, the police officer's department, I guess is what I'm looking for. And uh, they painted, I think, they painted the building in the rear. And the reason I say that, you'll see in this picture and you notice in that picture, what do you not see? I don't see any paintbrushes. I don't see any paint can. I don't even see any paint on any of them. So I am told they painted, but the, the building looks good in the background. Uh, but we are thankful that so many of you went out over the last few weeks and did things in the community, did it for the glory of God. And uh, we're thankful for the SALT class. It's relatively a new class right now. And if you're looking for a general audience class on Sunday mornings and you're in your 20s and 30s especially, this would be a really good place for you to look. Uh, it's a class, a new class that is off to a great start. Keep in mind, in our classes next Sunday morning, uh, we'll be praying all class time as we have prayer day. Also, there are prayer request forms that you can fill out there at the information center. If you have specific prayers you'd like for us, a request you'd like for us to be praying about, please get those in sometime this week before Sunday. And uh, then also just know we'll be praying for every member and every ministry by name. Do keep in mind that Veterans Day will have the breakfast and so be inviting veterans that live on your street or maybe you work with uh, in your family, whatever it is. And this would be a wonderful way for them to be introduced to the Mount Juliet congregation and be a wonderful way for us to get honor to them of which they are due. Also, we want to keep in mind the Operation Turkey. And when we think about that opportunity, we've said a lot about that, so I'm just going to say that to remind you. But coming out of the Latin America work, many of you were here Tuesday night at the Latin America Missions Dinner. That was just a great success. Uh, a little over $7,000 has already been given as a result of that dinner. And we're thankful for each one that has worked with the Latin America Missions for so many years. So many have supported it financially through prayers. And so many have gone on mission trips. And uh, we're thankful for the opportunity God gives us uh, to be involved in that work. Also, uh, Phil Wagner 
uh, was somewhat roasted at that event because uh, he is stepping away from mission work for a while. And uh, he, he uh, asked us to be praying for him on his next journey in life. And so let's honor his uh, prayer request in that. Uh, but he speaks so highly still of his love for Latin America missions for his love for the church, his love for the Lord. But he says right now he just needs to step away just for a little bit uh, from mission work and do something else for a while. And uh, needless to say, we love Phil. And so be praying for him and, and uh, we look forward to see what the next leg of his journey in life looks like. And as we speak about dinners such as that, uh, just Saturday morning was the Timothy Hill Children's Ranch breakfast. And there were about 70 from this congregation that were a part of that breakfast in Nashville. And uh, we're thankful for each one that has uh, continued through the years to support that good work that is in Riverhead, Long Island. And uh, also they announced at that breakfast the fact that they are looking about expanding uh, their work into Tennessee. And so that's exciting. They've got a couple pieces of property they're looking at. And so uh, it, it is very much a serious consideration. And so they ask our prayers uh, to be praying about the possible expansion of that work uh, even here into the South. Also, as we think about uh, mission work, uh, we love the Fowlers. We appreciate the work that they are doing in Brazil. And Doug and Sharla Williams, uh, well, they still look like that, but their kids don't look like that anymore. Uh, and, but they are going to, they are going to uh, visit the Fowlers and be with them over Thanksgiving. And they'll leave not Tuesday of this week, but the following Tuesday. So if you have any kind of notes or anything that you'd like to encourage them, uh, the Fowlers, uh, they, of course, they can't take a lot of large things, but, uh, but if you have anything like that that you can just put in their hands, uh, they'd be glad to take that as a way to support and encourage the Fowlers. So be thinking about that as you think about ways that you could encourage them. It's wonderful, all the opportunities that God gives us. And let's make sure that we humbly approach those opportunities and do God's will. This topic of humility is interesting. You know, we've, we've mentioned the fact several times that humility is not belittling yourself. It's not taking yourself out at the knees, so to speak, and trying to degrade yourself. Humility is taking all that God has created you to be, all the resources that he has given you, and faithfully and humbly serving him with what he has given you and exalting him, exalting his kingdom in that. I read a quote this past week that uh, it's out of a book, Burning Out for God by uh, Skogland. And, and this is what he says. The true way to be humble is not to stoop until you are smaller than yourself, but to stand at your real height against some higher nature that will show you what the real smallness of your greatness is. Isn't that a beautiful concept of humility? Just stand beside God. Stand with God. And you know what's going to happen when we stand with God? There's two things that immediately come to my mind. One is that when people see us standing beside God, they're going to see whatever goodness that's in our life, and they're going to say, look at that, they look just like their father. I see where that comes from. They're going to see whatever gifts and abilities that we have and the fact that we give God the glory for them and they're going to say, look, I, I, see, I see the purpose in their life. But the second thing is what he was alluding to. Also, when we stand beside God, there's no little reason to take ourselves out at the knees. 
We can stand as tall as we could possibly stand, giving God the glory and still standing beside God. We're going to look pretty small. Peter had a really good image of that. The passage that we're about to read, Peter talks about you and I bringing ourselves under the mighty hand of God. How big do you think Peter thought God was to be able to speak so straightforward and frankly with no explanation about us bringing ourselves under the mighty hand of God? In just a moment, we're about to read that, but I'd like to share with you as uh, we just keep thinking about humility and how simple it really is, but yet how difficult it is because our flesh fights against humility. But yet we hear daily stories that when we really stop and evaluate them, we see either the presence of humility or the absence of humility over and over and over. In 1987, in the Black Sea, there was a cargo ship in the middle of the night as well as a passenger ship. The passenger ship had 1,234 people aboard, counting the passengers and the crew. The cargo ship was loaded to its max with oats. 45 minutes out from the moment that we'll get to in just a moment, 45 minutes out, the passenger ship makes contact with the cargo ship and says, we are going to cross paths at the same time. And the cargo captain said, uh, we're all right. We'll clear each other. 45 minutes later, the cargo ship plowed so hard into the side of the passenger ship that it sank so quickly, not one lifeboat could be put into the water. 398 people died. And for 45 minutes, the captains knew prior to that that they were on a collision course. Those two captains were immediately arrested for their negligence. But what a lot of people said was that it wasn't just negligence, it was pride. Each captain believed that the other captain ought to veer off of his set course. And each captain was too stubborn to yield his will to the other captain. And now almost 400 people perished. And most believe those 400 people died because of pride. That's a drop in the bucket compared to the people that are dying spiritually today because of pride. We'll close this lesson. Really, Peter will close this lesson in just a few minutes 
with his teachings about how deadly pride is. But before we look at the deadly side of it, let's see the beauty of humility. Look with me, if you will, in 1 Peter, the fifth chapter and verse five. 1 Peter, the fifth chapter and verse five. As we read this, I'd like for you to notice the fact that humility is taught. We're not born with it. We don't just have it. We don't just, oh, I tell you what, I genetically come from good people and we, we just are humble people. If you believe that lie, you're believing a lie. Well, you know, I'm just a quiet person, so humility comes natural. Listen, don't confuse quietness and humility. Oh, there's a blessing to quietness, but they're not the same. Somebody that says three words a day, it still doesn't mean they're humble. It just means they may be a proudful person that only speaks three words a day. It has nothing to do with, and, and so the idea of, well, there's something about my genetic disposition. There's, there's something just about me. No, no, no. Pride is a part of our fleshly nature. That's why when we look at Galatians, the fifth chapter, and we see the works of the flesh. Remember, we studied this morning from Philippians 2. Selfish ambition is how it's listed in Philippians 2. That very same word is listed among the works of the flesh. And there it's listed as strife because that's what selfish ambition always causes. It causes strife. And I just say that to you at this point to say this. It's literally a work of the flesh. And so we have to decide, are we going to learn something different? Humility has to be learned. God will teach it to us if we will take the time to learn it. And so here's a passage where Peter is making a plea to say, hey, let's learn the value of this. Let's learn to practice humility. This is the way he would say it. First Peter 5 and verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, we have some of those in the audience. You younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. We have some of those in the audience. Now, think about this. If you go back and look at the first four verses in your Bible that you're reading there, what were the first four verses of this chapter about? Peter, as an elder, was talking to the elders. And so here, he's talking to younger people and how they ought to submit to the elders. We'll come back to that in just a moment. Now, notice what else he says here. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him. For he cares for you. Humility Humility is learned first and foremost as we studied this morning as we humble ourselves before the Lord. Now that's the first step of humility. In Philippians this morning when we studied in the fourth chapter in verse one, remember the plea was stand fast in the Lord. To be willing to say, Lord, I surrender myself, no longer my arrogance, my demanding my will. I'm a captain of this ship and I'm not changing my course. Lord, I humble myself before you. And God says, okay, now if you really are willing to do that, I've got a lot to teach you about humility. Okay, what, what's one of the things you want me to learn? And here Peter would say, this may sound kind of random, but Peter would say, I want you to learn younger people. I want you to learn to submit to your elders. That's something that has to be learned. Younger people would not naturally do that. 
I'm, I'm not trying to speak stereotypical here, but I guess I will fall a little bit guilty to it. But most of us that are a little bit older remember when we were younger and you know what it's easy to think? It's easier to think that the elders of this congregation couldn't really know what I'm going through because they're so much older than me, they're out of touch. It's easy to think, hey, who are they? They're not related to me, perhaps. They're, they're not close friends with me. Why, why would I want to submit to them? And God says, I want you to learn this. You need to submit to them. They do know a lot more about what you're going to than what you're giving them credit because they've been your age and they've walked that season of life. And the fact is, they've already walked the next season and the next season. I'm not trying to say you are ancient, but I'm just saying they've walked a few seasons. So the young person that's thinking, the young person is thinking, oh, they don't even know where I am. Oh, yeah. Not only do they know where you are, but they know what's coming next and next. And so, therefore, there'd be a great wisdom taking the ones that God has set forth as elders to oversee the church. You remember that language in Hebrews 13? Look at Hebrews, the 13th chapter, and, and look in verse 17. Hebrews, the 13th chapter. Notice what he says there in verse 17. I got my notes over my notes here. Poor planning. Obey those who rule over you and be what? Submissive. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch out for your souls as they will give an account. Let them do with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable for you. Obey. Submissive. Why? Because they're looking out for your soul. And by the way, he says, your relationship with them and your obedience and submission to them should be so that they would say, it's a joy to oversee them. Now, we go back to our text here and notice what he says also. When we submit to God, God is going to teach us to submit to our elders. That also, by the way, would teach us something about the importance of the church. The next thing that he would say is, I want you to submit to one another. Now, this would be for all of us. This isn't just speaking here now to the young people, but, but he would say, all right, yes, all of you be submissive to one another. You know, when you're younger, it's so easy to be competitive. Do you ever think if you could go back and relive? If I could take knowledge I have now and go back and relive, I know one thing that I would change immediately. I would change all those thoughts I had in my 20s and through a portion of my 30s. I would change all of those thoughts about the competitive nature. You know, when, when, when you're young and you have a, a friendship with other young couples, even if you don't ever say it out loud, for so many of us in the back of our mind is that competitive nature. And you know what's impossible for us to do with somebody that we feel like we're competing with? It's impossible for us to submit to one another. The idea of submit to one another, the, the idea here, now the first submit is the idea that they have authority. This is not necessarily authority. This is where you bring yourself up under someone. In other words, this is the idea that you say, you know what? I am willing to submit to you 
remember Philippians, the second chapter, Christ gave up his rights so that he could serve us. That's what this is talking about. Are we willing to say, you know what? I'm willing to bring myself up under you and serve you. I don't want to compete with you. I don't want to try to look like my job is better than your job. I don't want to try to look like my house is better than your house. I don't want to try to look like that. I look better than you. My clothes looks better than you. My family looks better than yours. As we mature, we reach a point, hopefully, where we look back and say, did I really spend time thinking about that stuff? Why didn't I spend more time thinking about how could I help your job be better? How could I help your family be better? How could I help you be better? What about if we were literally able to lift up all the friends we have? Well, that would sound like that right there, wouldn't it? Yeah, let's be submissive to one another. Let's come up under one another to serve one another to say, how could I help you this week be a better person? How could I help you this week grow closer to God? Again, we're not going to get that one by nature. We're not going to get that by being born as a human being. We're going to have to learn that one. And speaking of learning, notice his next phrase that we have highlighted there. And be clothed with humility. Why clothed? Because that's the point that Peter's making here. It's the idea that none of us are born with clothes on. We're born naked. None of us are born with humility. We're going to have to decide, do we want to cover up this pride? And I'm not talking about like a hypocritical covering up here. I'm saying, I've got this person that, that in a sense is naked pride. And I kind of like that because I get to rule my way and I get to do it my way and I get to demand my way. Selfish ambition. It's all about me. Look at me. Look how great I'm doing. And then I, I come to the Lord and Lord, you want me to do what? You, you want me to submit to you? And then you want me to submit to my elders? You even want me to submit to each other? Lord, how, how am I even going to do that? He says, you're going to have to decide every day if you want to be clothed. Are you willing to take that, that, that naked pride and are you willing to cover it up with humility? Now, it literally is destroy it. Clothe with humility. You see, now that is learned, but then it's a choice. I can learn it and say, I don't want to submit. Or I can learn it and do what? Submit. So then we come to the direct command. The other has been too, but notice how direct this is stated in verse 6. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. He's laying it out. If, if you are willing to be humble, here, here's what it entails. Submit to your elders. Submit to each other. Clothe yourself every day in humility. And now here's the mighty hand of God. It's huge. It's powerful. He's not going to force you under it. You can be proud and arrogant and say, I'm not going to go and live under God's will. Or we can humbly come and live our life under the mighty hand of God. 
Now, will you look with me at these very same verses, except this time let's look back at it and, and let's say, what's the reward? What is the reward for this type of humility? Well, notice there in verse 5, that's a long verse. Notice the last part of the verse where he's talking about that clothed in humility. Here, here's the reward. And the first part, of course, is the negative, which implies then the clarity to the positive part of it. So the first part of it that Peter says, he's just, been, he's just told us, commanded us to be clothed in humility. But then he says, God resists the proud. That word resist. I don't know exactly why. It's not that I really have read anything that, that per, says it this way. But when I picture the word resist, I don't know exactly why, but I picture a running back stiff arming an opponent. I'm going to resist you. I am planning on making it to that end zone. That's my goal. That's my mission. I'm on this team and that's what this team is going to do. Now, you know what the word resist does mean? In the root, in the Greek, it does mean opponent. And so now there's this opponent coming and we resist him. I, I, don't, I don't want you taking over. I don't want you hindering my goal. Does that make sense? Now, flip this around the way the Lord's saying it. The Lord is saying, I'm the running back. God says, I'm leading my team the kingdom to an eternal reward. Who is the opponent that comes up? And I know this is kind of a harsh way to look at it. I didn't choose the word. He chose the word resist. Who is it that God holds off at a distance and says, no, you're an opponent. You're not on my team. You're not going the direction we're going. Who does God stiff arm? The proud. If we're not careful, we get this image in our mind that, that God just wraps his arms around everybody. And it doesn't matter what your attitude is, and it doesn't matter who's ruling your life. You can rule your life. You can let Satan rule your life. But some way, God still just, he just wraps his arms around everybody, and he just overlooks any decisions we make. He overlooks who we are, and, and he just wraps his arms. Listen, listen to the word of God. He doesn't wrap his arms. He literally resists the proud. The people that say, Lord, I, I don't want to humble myself under, under your mighty hand. God says, trust me, you won't. With that attitude, I won't let you come into my place of blessing. I won't let you come into this place of safety. Now, if you ever want to stop being proud, I've got a place for you. But the choice is ours. All right, so now notice, he resists the proud, but what does he do? He gives grace. That's the idea of generous gift. The most generous gift we've ever received is salvation. He gives grace to the humble. But think about all the other spiritual gifts that come when we live under the mighty hand of God. All of that is offered to those who are humbled and under his mighty hand. And that brings us to verse six. I'd like for you to notice how it ends there. And, and i also like you to notice, because this is something that I don't know why, I've never noticed it before. And I know that doesn't mean you haven't ever noticed it before, but 
I, most of the time, quote verse 7 by itself. I guess if before I studied this week, if you even said, hey, is verse 7 a complete sentence? I probably would have said, sure, that's, it's, it's a sentence all by itself. No, it's not a sentence all by itself. You know, we, we, I, we often say, cast your care upon him for he cares for you. That's the end of a sentence. What's the beginning of the sentence? Therefore, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him for he cares for you. Listen, there's going to be a time where everybody's under his mighty hand is going to be so exalted so much that when Jesus comes again, the glory that he comes in, we're going to have that same glory. That's exalted. We're going to be able to go and live in heaven. That's exalted. Even now on this earth, there may be ways that he exalts us. But you know when it's going to happen? Every time it happens in due time. It's on his time. If you go back in Genesis and you read the story of Joseph, what do you see in Joseph's lives, in his life? Ups and downs. Ups and downs. And you know who was bringing him up? Each time it was God. But each time it was in God's due time. You and I, perhaps on this earth, will never know all the reasons we experience some of our lows, and we probably will never know exactly why we experience all of the highs, except to say that when it works out best for the will of God, God will exalt us in due time. But the ultimate, the ultimate exaltation is eternally. All right, so now if, if you agree with that and you see that that's what that's teaching, now let's ask the really important question. All right, Lord, what about those times I'm under your mighty hand and I don't feel like I'm being exalted right now? As a matter of fact, I feel like I've got a ton of burdens right now. I feel like things aren't going right. I feel like relationally, health, financially, with my emotions, with, with job, Lord, I'm waiting. I'm waiting for you to exalt me in due time. What am I supposed to do right now that I don't feel that? Casting all your cares upon him for he cares for you. Isn't that beautiful? During those times, you trust that he will take care of your cares. Is that not beautiful? That's a part of the reward of living under his mighty hand. We have somebody to take our cares to. As we summarize tonight, I'd like for you to see that by looking at the implied opposite, and I'm not saying, are you listening clearly? I'm not saying all anxiety is due to pride. I'm not saying that. But if we look at the teachings here and we think about the anxiety that some have in their life because they're carrying their own burdens and they're so humble that they won't live under the mighty hand of God. So therefore they do not have God to cast their cares upon. Now we see a connection between pride and anxiety in many people's lives. And tonight I, I just... I want you to be honest with yourself. How many things have you stayed up worrying about the last week, the last month? 
that the reality is you're a child of God and you're living under the mighty hand of God. Why not be humble enough to say, God, I trust you. You're so much bigger than me. You're so much more, so much more wisdom, power. Your love is so complete. I'm going to stop my worry over this and I'm going to cast my care over to you. And I believe tonight you've got enough humility to do it. But that's what it's going to take. Being humble enough first to come to the Lord and live under His mighty hand and then being humble enough to trust Him with all that you're dealing with. But also as we conclude tonight, I want you to see a second point. Let's look at the next slide so I can remember it. And notice here, again, you know how I mentioned to you like the last part of, of verse 7 there that oftentimes I've thought about that as kind of a standalone verse and it just doesn't stand alone. Oftentimes I've thought of verse 8 as a standalone verse but in its context, it really has a powerful connection to the previous verses. And so let's close with this thought. Look at 1 Peter 5 and verse 8. Be sober. Be vigilant. Because your adversary, who's our adversary? The devil. Where's he walk about? Well, he's trying to get us to come out from under the mighty hand of God. And he walks about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. How does Satan devour somebody on earth? Let that, just think about that for me. In your mind, answer that. Like, he says it's like a lion and we, we, we watch a lion eat its prey. And if it was a human being, we, we would just be like, oh, I can't bear to see that. That, that is horrible. We would tell, did you hear about that? Did you hear about the lion that ate the human being? Do you realize what the Lord is saying here? The Lord is saying, that's what's happening to us spiritually. So when our adversary, the devil, looks like a lion eating prey, what does that look like physically? We don't cease to exist. Oh, I tell you what. Oh, brother X over there. I saw, I saw the devil just eat him up and he doesn't exist anymore. So if it doesn't work that way, how does it work? I believe in this context, a lot of the way Satan destroys us is you see the destruction by pride coming back into the person's life and ruling their life again. How do I know when the lion has eaten me spiritually? Pride. I'm ruling my life. I've stopped humbling myself before God. I've stopped respecting my elders and what they ask of me. I've stopped lifting up my peers and my brothers and sisters in Christ and, and I don't bring myself up under them to serve them. I don't get up each day and have a high priority to be clothed in humility. I don't say prayers about how thankful I am, God, that I can cast my care upon you and I know you care for me. So God, I'm giving it up to you 
And I'm going to have the peace that passes understanding. How do we know when we've been eaten by the lion? Pride starts destroying all those things. So what I learned tonight. Number one, humility has to be learned. Number two, humility has qualities like clothing. We need to put it on. Number three, humility will be rewarded. It's rich rewards. It's gracious rewards. Number four, the humble have one on whom they can cast their care. And number five, Satan destroys. And one of the ways that he so oftentimes destroys is through pride. We mentioned this this morning. The purpose of this study this month is not for you and I to go around and say the right things verbally. Oh yeah, I really want to be humble. The purpose of this is for us to really dig deep. Dig deep into Scripture, but then dig deep into our soul and our heart and who we are. And so tonight I ask you, have you truly humbled yourself before the Lord? And if so, does at least just a few of the things that Peter brought out tonight prove in your life that you have? But if you look at those things tonight and you say, that really doesn't look like me, where do you begin? You begin with humbling yourself before the Lord. And so we're about to sing a song of encouragement. And it's to encourage all of us to think about and evaluate our life and our soul and our eternity. And to think about how good God is to be gracious to us and allow us to come back. If you've never come to Christ and you've never been immersed into Christ for the remission of your sins, why not? Why not humbly come to Him tonight? Maybe you've begun that journey and somewhere along the way, pride has brought you out from the mighty hand of God. And tonight you regret that. And tonight you're ready to repent. And by the grace of God, you're ready to come home.